This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. The direct descendant of Dred Scott has made sure her great-great-grandfather has a large monument where he is buried in St. Louis, one that people can find and pay tribute to the enslaved Missourian who fought for his freedom all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Lynn Jackson, the president and founder of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, joins Ashley Bird. So on Saturday, September 30th, we were delighted to dedicate a new monument memorial for Dred Scott at Calvary Cemetery, where he has lain since 1867. And for 90 years, he lay there unmarked. But in 1957, Father Edward Dowling actually discovered his lot number in the records of the Archives of Calvary. And Here's before, only the family really knew where he was buried, but this was a big deal because it was also right at the heels of the 100th anniversary of the Dred Scott decision. So timing was everything. And at that time, Father Dowling felt that he should not be unmarked and wanted to uh, secure a headstone for him. So he started a little campaign to raise money. As it turned out, one of the descendants of the man who actually helped Dred Scott secure his freedom. By that, I mean paid for the freedom bonds as well as had him interred at Calvary, and that was Taylor Blow. Not Henry Taylor Blow, that's a brother, but Taylor Blow. And I make that distinction because I see it in error a lot of times in media, but it was the 10th child Taylor Blow that made this happen. And when he moved to Ed Scott there, he thought that he himself would be buried there because he was Catholic. But as it turns out, he's in Bell Fountain Cemetery. But Dred Scott was there. And at the 100th anniversary, Taylor Blow's granddaughter decided that she would donate the headstone to the family and to the cemetery. So that's how he got the 28-inch high, 24-inch wide headstone that was there since 1957. And we were so thrilled to know that he lay there and that he was marked. But over the years, it became rather apparent that sometimes people didn't get to see him because they couldn't find it. They couldn't mm-hmm. find it. Um, it was sort of plain. I mean, a, a nice headstone, but plain. But considering the monumental impact he had on history, you know, clearly mm-hmm. it needed to be something that people would be able to go to, a, a destination. Exactly. Well, as it turns out, he's among the top three of all the people that are ever asked, where are their graves when people come to Calvary from all over the world? And so to find him, hopefully, or not to find him, sadly, but then not to see very much, and it didn't have a lot of space for inscription. So make a long story short, I felt like many years ago, if ever we could make a bigger one, we really should. So when COVID hit, I knew that this was something I had already looked into, and I said, hey, this is a good time to do a GoFundMe because we really couldn't do anything during COVID. Um, Due to the uh, wonderful support of a dear friend, Linda Bergman, we were able to uh, apply for and receive a grant from the Mellon Foundation, which helped us be sure that we would be able to purchase this monument. And so when I designed it, I knew that I wanted his face on it, I knew that there was a baby buried with him there and that that baby should be noticed as well. The fact that when Peter Blow bought this plot for him, he had to buy three plots. It was not legal or tolerated for a black to be buried next to a white. And 
even though a person could say, I want my slaves buried here, they had to make those extra accommodations. So sadly, that was the case until Block three plots. But happily, we had three spots on which to build this new monument. So it is a 10-foot by 10-foot black granite, 9-foot high piece that actually resembles the front of a courthouse. And so much of his history and uh, the story is there to be shared, and we're thrilled with it. In in front of the, the, the courthouse in St. Louis, there's this amazing um, sculpture of the Scots. So now... We have this in Calvary. You are the great-great-granddaughter, is that correct, uh, of Dred Scott. How much of the Dred Scott story and how much of that history came into play when you were growing up? Well, not as much as one might think, honestly. And I say this all candidly, that it was important history and well-known in legal circles. But for the most part, it was a sad story and it was a mad story. And even in the 1800s, one of Dred Scott's daughters who lived to be 99 years old, she kept her a low profile, we'll say, because to be associated with anything that was so negative and caused a civil war in her situation, it was best that everybody not knew who she was. So in the black community, not just with Jared Scott, it was not unusual for parents in the 30s, 40s, and 50s to want to raise their children, knowing their history, but not feeling bad about it, giving them an opportunity to get their education and to not be hindered by negativity that would perhaps keep them from their own gifts and, and futures. So... I did know about it, of course. Our family was well aware of it. Like I said, she lived to be Lizzie, 99 years old. She died in 1945. This lady, a daughter of Dred Scott, actually babysat my dad and the youngest daughter of my grandmother. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And I didn't (laughs) know that growing up. So most of what I have learned, I actually did on my own. In 1995, I just really felt like God said, you should study Dred Scott. That's simple. And I thought... Yeah, I should know more than the average person. It's about time I should be better versed on this, not having a clue that I was going to do any of this at all. Now that you have this monument, what do you want people to take away from it then? What what do you want the message to be about your ancestor? Well, his case was one that really changed the nation, um, but I really want people to, to recognize that it took 11 years for this case to be decided. And anywhere along that timeline, especially after the Missouri Supreme Court denied them their freedom, which was going quite against precedence, they had always, under these exact circumstances, allowed slaves to have their freedom. But they, they took a turn and decided they weren't going to do that anymore. And yet when the opportunity opened up for them to file on the federal court level with Attorney Roswell Fields, they took it. And I think that that grit right there, I think that defines who they were. And so knowing at some point that whatever the Supreme Court was finally determined would be affecting everyone in the country, good or bad, that that was on their shoulders. And yet they knew that they were in the right and they they persisted. So I think that that's one thing that I want them to take away. And I also want them to take away the fact that 
there were many people who were courageous and bold and, and go out and, and study history and learn what other people have done as well. Lynn Jackson, a direct descendant of Dred Scott, and we have this memorial at Calvary Cemetery. Uh, when can people go see that? Oh, seven days a week, uh, the cemetery is open. I think as early as 8.30, maybe even a little earlier, but it does close at 5 p.m. And uh, it's... Um, Oh, it's so worth the trip. <laughs> I hope everybody will go see it. And do read. Uh, there are uh, quotes from Frederick Douglass, uh, the uh, declaration, but also one that I think is amazing on the back, which is a portion of a eulogy that the New York Times wrote for him in 1858 when he died. It's not the whole thing, but it's magnificent. So they'll need a minute to read the front and the back, but any time they can get there before 5 o'clock on any day of the week. Thank you very much, Lynn Jackson, for not only being on our show, but for helping to preserve history, an important history in Missouri. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.